we're on. Happy days. I feel like I've now started inadvertently starting all of these episodes with happy days or some sort of are we on? <laughs> like tapping. Hello? Like the old woman, like if you're trying to zoom your grandma. That's are the you one. there? Can you hear me? Yeah, and you're just looking at her, you're looking at the inside of her ear where she Yeah, goes, it's just her face is just there. <laughs> yeah. So we're back with episode five. I feel like the episode thing is now stuck enough that I haven't got to mention it now. This is episode five. Yeah. Go with that because I didn't find a better one. Um, obviously back with Charlie from CB Nutrition because he is a firm fan favourite and I still haven't quite recovered from the fact that I cheated on him with James all those episodes back. Um, Normally. So I owe him at least another episode before I cheat on him again. So there's yeah. a thing. Um, and the cost of therapy as well. And some therapy, yeah. That's a thing as well. Um, we're working on that. We'll get through this together. I feel like we'll come out of this stronger on the other side, mate. Okay. Um, and also, we've had a few questions through nutrition and that kind of thing, and there is a fairly large thing at the industry in the gyms are allowed to reopen uh, from next Tuesday, the second. I think that's next Tuesday. Anyway, okay. the second, we're allowed to reopen, maybe the third. I think it's the second. I just probably got my facts right before I started that. Anyways, gyms are reopening in the UK, which is really, really cool. Um, so obviously, we've had a few questions through kind of return to training and that kind of thing. So, as kind of usual, uh, method, I believe. Let's let's get you first. I think you had a really good question to start with. So we've got two kind of really good questions we can delve into, and then a couple of really sort of quick wrap ups at the end. Yeah, cool. Um, you put me on the spot now. I've got to try and remember my question. It was related to should I be trying to lose body fat over lockdown? Um, I want to, but I'm really stressed. I've got loads of stress at work, loads of like family stress. Obviously, the stress of the current situation, etc. Is now a good time to. Um, be looking to lose body fat um and i guess the answer isn't a blanket yes or no funnily enough it depends i think we've said that on here before um and it comes down to a lot of different things and there are so many different like physiological and psychological factors we could dive into here so a couple of things i want to touch on in psychology there's this thing called behavioral potential um, and it's basically like the likelihood of you being able to do a, a behavior at a given time where you're at right now so like with your current life situation, so if you looked at what your motivations are, what your habits are like, your like resources, which basically means like how you're coping with things and how you do cope with things. Um, and then like loads of contexts, like your environment, cues, opportunities you've got, it. how likely are you to do a behavior? Now, obviously, if you're not currently losing weight and you want to lose weight, that's a change in behavior. So what we're basically looking at is how able are you right now to be able to change your behavior. If you've got loads of different things going on and loads of other stresses trying to focus on something else your behavioral potential is probably quite low like the ability for you to stick to a new behavior isn't that high really um i can't remember if we spoke about this before but in nutrition there's quite a common behavior change model called the com b model so b is for behavior and the com is capability opportunity and motivation and the idea is that you need all three of those to change behavior so you can be really motivated, but if you haven't got the capability or the opportunity to change behavior, you won't change it. Now, capability comes with physical and psychological capability. So if you haven't got the psychological capability because you've got so much other stuff going on, you're not going to be able to change behavior because you're not capable of changing your behavior. Same way that if you're not motivated to do something, I'm not motivated to start running a marathon. So I'm not going to change my running behavior because I don't want to. Um, you need all three of those things to change behavior. And if you've not got the capability, then the chance of you successfully changing behavior aren't that high. Um, and then the last thing really is sort of self-regulation. So I don't know if you've come across like 
the idea of ego depletion. It's kind of like the willpower idea that willpower is a finite resource and we only have so much and then it's like a muscle gets fatigued and then we stop um, being able to regulate our decisions, control our decisions. Um, whether that's true or not, there's loads of different research, probably isn't quite how we think it is, but basically the effort to... Uh, I was going to say, I don't think it's as cut and shut as that. No, pretty much no. I think it's just very, that's a really shiny, simple way to explain something. And so everyone's just grabbed hold of it and yeah, that is true. That's how it works. Gospel. Um, yeah, literally. Um, but like to self-regulate a behaviour, effort, as, as motivation goes, so like I said, that behavioural potential, motivation might be really high. You might have quite high behavioural potential. As that goes, you need more self-regulation, self-control to change a behaviour because motivation has gone. Um, so if you had a really high behaviour potential and then motivation goes, that goes down, you need therefore more self-regulation to bring up behaviour potential up to increase the chance of you changing the behaviour. Um, and in suboptimal conditions and everything else, so loads of other stresses and things, chances of you having that and being able to regulate really highly aren't there. So that's a very long-winded way of saying probably best not to try and diet during a really stressful period. Some people have naturally higher self-regulation and are able to regulate um, despite other things going on. And that's why I said it might be, might not be a good idea. For some people it could be a good idea, or at least they could do it. But for the majority of people, I suggest it probably isn't the best idea for those reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd mirror exactly that. It's, I thought about this when you mentioned it the other day, and it's, I can't really see many like pluses or sort of pros to this. Um, <laughs> depends on the individual i think we tapped on the other day um sort of individuals capability to cope with stuff um and this is one of those things if you're already stressed out which i don't know many people that aren't um with the whole lockdown covid scenario can't see people various rules and things going on no one really knows what the next turn is so then add pressure to yourself in terms of cutting fat cutting weight whatever way you want to spin it whatever you're trying to do uh, that is a grim task to set foot on in the first place. So if you're trying to do that as a way to get through things, then oh, you're a very unique individual. If your coping mechanism is to lose body weight or lose fat, man, like that's, yeah. that's quite an impressive <laughs> skill. Yeah. My coping mechanism is to smash down chocolate. But, uh, <laughs> and throw and we'll discuss why Charlie's coping mechanisms are equally unhealthy in a different episode. Correct. Um, that's episode six. <laughs> but <laughs> it's no. yeah again it, it kind of it depends there's that it depends yeah. like, again depends on the individual but, but i think i think by and large probably not a fantastic idea yeah i agree and there's the physical thing of if you've got no training stimulus because you're not training which a lot of people aren't or don't have much of one muscle retention and deficit's harder if the stimulus isn't there but it's possible but it's probably more difficult so there's just no real reason i'll share a, a win for a client this week actually who um, really sadly one of her colleagues passed away because of coronavirus um, in the week. Oh, and in her checking, she was like, I just haven't, like there's a bit where it says, how would you rate your body composition progress this week? But I haven't thought about it. And for me, that was such a big win because it's just not a priority for a lot of people right now and probably shouldn't be. That doesn't mean you don't focus on your nutrition and get your nutrition right. But it just means like we're not checking in the mirror. We don't have to worry about the scales. Like, things like that just aren't necessarily always a concern. And yeah. you shouldn't, they shouldn't always be in, on your mind. Yeah. And having weeks where you just, oh yeah, just completely forgot that that was a thing is like bloody brilliant for most people. That is, um, that's a really good anecdotal model of the thing actually. So yeah, there are massive, massive things at play at the minute that far outweigh that kind of minutia. It's really, yeah. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, not that important. Yeah, no. great shout. I like that. 
Cool, man. So I feel like that wrapped up quite nicely. So the next question I had, and I can't remember who asked me this, so I apologize, I'm not name dropping this person. Um, but they put, uh, what should my training look like when gyms reopen? Which I thought was a really interesting question. So when gyms reopen, obviously we've been shut for a month. Um, sort of prior to this, so the last lockdown we were shut for significantly longer. Um, it's an interesting question in the sense of what should your training look like? And it, <laughs> get ready for it, it depends. Um, it completely depends on what you were training for in the first place. So I think if we stick to the veins of who's listening to this and watching this and stuff, I think if we stick in strength sports, I personally, I don't think it should look much different to what it did before you stopped, before lockdown. Um, obviously that said, it's probably going to look a lot lighter, at least initially. So we've harped on about it on this podcast before, you know, your, your strength will disappear when you don't train for a while. It just will. It's a kind of take your, um, use it or lose it principle in that respect. Um, but the skill stays quite high. And if you're able to keep the skill high, then awesome. You're good. Strength will come back pretty quick. You know, sort of a good four to six weeks of really sort of back to focus training. You'll be straight back to where you were um, after a decent period of time off. Obviously we only had a month off. And whilst it's a month, it's still only a month. It's still four weeks. So there's not an awful lot of atrophy you're going to experience in a month. You'll feel weaker mentally. You'll go back to the gym and you're going to feel like hell. You know, you'll go to pick up the 16 kilo dumbbells and they'll feel like the twenties, but that's because you haven't picked them up for a month. So you've kind of forgotten what they feel like and what that weight feels like in your body. Um, but in terms of what your training should look like, I don't think it should look anything different. Um, but then it depends on what you're training for. So if you're training for competitions, let's say that, mate, let's say you're training for strongman comps. Um, there's a few of those dotting around at the minute because they're easy to get outside. So strongman competitions are things that are running currently. Um, and for those, you've just got, you've just got to be strong. Um, it depends on where you were before your training. If your comp's coming up soon, then focus on the skills and the events. So you might want to be doing Atlas Stone training, yoke runs, farmers, grip training, that sort of stuff. If you've got one away away, then maybe work on some sort of strength program. Um, maybe a little bit of hypertrophy, something like that. But it depends on where you're at in your training cycle. But uh, And again, I think that's the third time I've answered it with this line is it depends on where you were at before, but I don't think it should look any different, just a little bit lighter. I don't know. Would you agree or what's your thought on that? No, absolutely. I mean, you're the training guy, so I'm going to go with you. Sure. Um, but no, yeah, I agree. Like, I think it's really tempting for people to trash themselves like when they come back in. Like, like you said, if it's about skill and then strength will come back eventually, you want to keep skill high you need to be repeating the skill a lot. And so you want to get yourself in the gym as much as possible. If you trash yourself in the first couple of sessions, you want to do exactly the same load and things that you were before, you're going to write yourself off for the rest of the week. And that limits how many times you'll actually be able to go and perform the skill, be in the gym, or even if you go to the gym, perform well. So yeah, just like ease yourself back in and you give yourself the best chance of performing the skill more times, which will bring strength back quicker and you'll feel better for it. Like, Muscle soreness in general, I know this isn't the question, but it's way down on the list of things that are important to seek from a training session. Yeah. Like it's, not, it's just not a consideration. It probably is a consideration in that we try and limit it because it's not, like we don't seek muscle soreness. It's not a marker of how well you've trained. Um, like I'd, I'd put enjoyment and interest in the session ahead of soreness. 100%. Because if you enjoy the session, you work harder anyway, you end up getting more adaptation, full stop. So... Yeah, just don't don't write yourself off in the first week for me. Yeah, pretty much that. I mean, it's it's sort of two things that I say to people is don't chase pain because mm -hmm. you feel like you must bury yourself into the floor for your workout to experience DOMS for the next month. 
you're, you're probably missing the point of that session. But yeah, so don't chase pain as a thing. But I think the biggest sort of takeaway from it, when you get back into the gym from the second, is check your ego. Like you should do that anyway. Don't don't bring your ego into the gym. Ego has no place in the gym. Save that for competition. Then you can be an egotistical wanker um, because you're setting out to win. But in the gym, check your ego. Um, leave that behind because it's going to take a bruise. If you go in and you expect to, if you were deadlifting 200 kilo for five before lockdown and you go back in and think, I can deadlift 200 for five, you might be disappointed and your ego is going to take a brick, take a big old hit. So leave your ego behind. Set yourself in and say, well, I could do this a month ago. Let's see where I'm at today. And I'm not saying go in and test your five rep max straight away. Like ease yourself back through and then give yourself Give yourself a month of consistent training and then retest your maxes. And you might be surprised. You might have got stronger. Um, but don't be surprised if you've got a little bit weaker. So, again, I think this goes back to the soft skills that we talk about a lot. It's just be nice to yourself. Don't be a dick. Lower your expectations. And then everything else is a bonus. Yeah. I think at the moment, if you're asking, what should I do after a month off training? If you don't do it properly, you'll be asking us in a couple of weeks, what do I do with four months off training? Because you've yeah. injured some because you've been an arsehole about it. Yeah. So if you look after yourself now, you look after yourself in the long run as well. You'll be fine. You'd be absolutely fine so yeah um that's again we could we could delve into many many rabbit holes on this question but that's i think as a sort of nutshell just go back in work on your skills start light build up see how you feel it's very subjective i can't say to you if you were lifting 200 for five deadlifts you should go back in at 170 for five i can't there's no cut and shot it's very dependent on the individual and it's a very subjective question to ask um but yeah go in light see how you feel it's kind of that's kind of it i think yeah, I agree. Imagine. Cool, man. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to power in with another question because I'd really like to finish on your question last because I feel that's going to be good. I think that's going to be yeah. good. I'm going to go back to back questions because I can, my podcast. <laughs> um, so this is a mate of mine, Pete, has asked about nutrition for power production. Now, Pete is a cyclist. He's a very good cyclist. He's a competitive guy. Um, he's the dude that you try and aim your car out on the road. He's that guy. Don't do that. It's a really bad idea. It's a really bad idea. But Pete's yeah. that guy. And I'm okay. saying this because Pete for me, if it was someone else that messed in as a cyclist, awesome, go you. But if you see Pete, try and hit him. It's funny. Um, he's also quite quick, so there's a thing. But he's decided to leave cycling alone for a little bit because he saw the light and he's coming over to strength sports, which is great. Um, and I think he said he was training for a powerlifting meet, which is awesome. Now, obviously, from competitive cyclists smashing out 100-mile days, hammering down cinnamon buns and coffee and Greg's every other day and all that kind of good stuff just to keep calories in from his 100-mile cycles to all of a sudden switch into a very different sport with a completely different calorie need. Um, I, the, the question, is there any food that can help power production? I don't think is the right question. But what I think he's asking is, can I take anything that's going to help my training? And in, in that, I'd, I'd probably just blanket that as kind of carbs and creatine to help with kind of power production off the back of the sport he's been doing i mean this is very much a your question to answer than mine um but mine is carbs and creatine i don't think there's anyone that's going to really help power production but i think they're certainly going to help fuel your training for power yeah i agree um carbs creatine caffeine are the big the three c's that are important for how i did um i guess the other thing so i mean we spoke about this off camera but i didn't realize pete's background in terms of cycling um the amount of muscle mass you have is really, really closely correlated to your performance in the three power lifts. And there's a couple of different papers that have shown this, um, like really high, so like 0.85, 0.9 sort of correlation, really, really high correlation. Um, so 
I guess the question then becomes, how do I put more muscle mass on rather than how do I produce more power? Because if you've got more muscle mass, then you're probably going to do better in your lifts. Yeah. Um, and then it comes down to, again, fueling training properly with carbohydrates, um, caffeine probably, creatine, and then protein sufficient total amount and also spaced out throughout the day. They're going to be the biggest things for you in terms of a power lifter to, in, for nutrition to improve your performance. Cool. <laughs> that yes <laughs> done so yeah that was yeah kind of mirrored my my thoughts on it so i'm glad you confirmed that because that's what i told him yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so and again it's, it's it's quite an interesting point of transitioning from sports um or going from effectively you know sort of high power endurance which affects a very different sport yeah because power is quite important in that like power weight for cycling is their big thing. Yeah. So you'll see people like shaving bits off their bike and stuff. I mean, most of it's like middle-aged men in Lycra who are like five kilos overweight, take yeah. tinkering with the bike to reduce the weight on it. That's the one. And then like shoveling pies down. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, power to weight is really important in that. But in powerlifting, it's about gains. Yeah, 100%. Just shift weight. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Pete, oh, I don't know. I'm going to say nice things about him on this and that's not nice. I don't like it. Yeah, Pete is... Obviously, competitive cyclist. He's a very good cyclist. Won a lot of races, done with bits and pieces. So coming across to this, he's got that little competitive nature about him. Um, but coming from that competitive cycling background of his, he's just got legs for days. So in terms of power he can push through his legs, he's already got that kind of there. So in terms of a kind of store of muscle mass that he's already got, it's kind of there. So I feel like him coming across to powerlifting is a very different, uh, very different scenario from someone completely untrained. But I feel like the principles of nutrition are still going to be the same. You're still going to want to put that size on, like you said. You're still going to want to have that kind of muscle growth um, to then fine-tune that for one-off power later on. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, most nutrition is the same, really. It's just adjusting the fuel that you need. That would be the main difference is how much fuel you need for cycling compared to powerlifting. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot less, to be honest. Yeah. Other than that, the principles stay pretty much the same. Cool. Cool. Well, yeah, so that. That was, again, another sort of quick wrap-up. I like it. Yeah. And then, yeah, so last question was yours, which is a great question, one of my favourite topics. Yeah, so someone said to me, a PT that I follow um, shared something about sugar addiction and, like, can we be addicted to sugar? They said something about dopamine. Um, so I just sort of wanted your opinion on that. Um, so I don't think you can be addicted to sugar. I don't know. I don't think you can. I'm pretty sure yeah. you can't, as a fact of fact. But... From what I know about addiction, which I'll caveat off here, off the bat, isn't an awful lot. I'm not an addiction specialist or anything like that. But I do know that sugar tastes good and it makes things taste good and it makes you feel good. Um, so in terms of an addiction, I don't know when the last time someone tried to steal money from the Nan's purse to buy a bag of Tate and Lyle was. Um, but I do know that people would steal from the Nan's purse to buy heroin which is quite addictive, so I've been told. Yeah, um, very Moorish heroin. Huh? Very Moorish. Very Moorish. <laughs> oh, I've heard it described. <laughs> Amazing. You have a little bit, you, mm, yeah. You know, just, just go a bit more than that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I've heard. It's not a, mm. not, a, not a supplement I've dabbled in, but not one I ever intend to either. I'm just going to throw that one out there. Um, but yeah, Moorish is a great way of putting it. Now... In terms of sugar addiction, I feel like people just kind of go to it because it tastes good and it's usually quite easy to get hold of um, and it makes you feel good. 
because you get that kind of sugar rush. It makes you feel a little bit buzzy for a minute. So I feel like without shitting on this topic from a great height, there is probably a low level correlation, which I'm going to go through. Very, very low level, which is almost not there because it's not there. Sugar's not addictive. But um, I just think it makes people enjoy it. It's a nice thing to eat. And in terms of, you, you mentioned dopamine. Um, dopamine is the same hormone that's released when you work out. It's right up there with serotonin and that kind of thing. And it's just a dump into your brain that makes you feel good. So I don't know anyone that's necessarily addicted to working out, but it's very, it's clear to see you want to get that enjoyment back from working out and that dump of dopamine and serotonin. So yeah, I feel like that's the same bracket. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and we know that dopamine is released in anticipation of things. So when you're looking forward to something, you'll release dopamine. Yeah. Um, and I say to our fair, like the example, I look forward to seeing my grandma. Yeah. I'm not addicted to my grandmother. I'm very, very fond of Big Claire, but not addicted to oh, her. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there's quite a lot of interest in addiction research in terms of sugar, which shows it's not addictive. Yeah. Um, so this sort of dopaminergic response that they've shown, um, where they said, oh, this is the same as cocaine. Well, so cocaine dopamine response was the same as a food reward response. So like I said, that anticipation, like you said, that pleasure, that's when it's um, that's when dopamine's released. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing is when they found that is that they restricted the access of rats, also rats, not people, rats. Um, the, the rat following to this podcast, you might be addicted to it. Scientific yeah. rats. Yeah. But that happened when they restricted access to sugar and then provided it. So they'd have like 16 hours without sugar, eight hours where they said, there you go, there's a sugar crack on. Um, and obviously we don't have that. We have access to sugar all of the time. So there's two important points to this. One is that we have access to sugar all the time, ad libitum. But then the other thing is that we don't always, because we don't let ourselves, and we've come on this before in that, cravings happen when you stop yourself from having the thing so when you stop the access to sugar like they did with the rats the rats crave sugar when you stop yourself access to things you crave the thing if you allow yourself 24 hour access to sugar you don't get the same response you don't get that addictive response yeah. so again it's another point to actually just give yourself permission to eat the things probably won't crave the things um and then there was a few other nice points that sort of they talked about in terms of the sugar research um sugar cravings go eventually like all food cravings sort of ebb and flow it's not like a exponential rise of i really want this now i really really want this and then later on i really 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 want this like you'll forget about it yeah that doesn't happen with heroin <laughs> it's not like a oh two o'clock oh it's only heroin time and then by like four o'clock you've forgotten about it by four o'clock you really really want some heroin if you're addicted to heroin six o'clock you're like I love that there might be a heroin time. Like Pim's yeah, a sort of like oh, crack in the same time as like meals are cues. Same sort of time of day, it's your heroin cue. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. So that's a clear another clear distinction between drugs and sugar. And um, you made the good point about how it tastes nice. Yeah. So that when they removed uh, sugar receptors in rats, they can't taste sugar. They're not that interested, and they don't gain fat. You add fat in, then they overeat on it again. So it just comes down to taste. Interesting. So obviously it's not the sugar itself. There's nothing particularly addictive about sugar. Um, it's about the taste. And the other interesting one in that they added something that made rats throw up when they had sugar. 
they stop eating it. If you do that with addictive drugs, they will carry on and just throw up because drugs are addictive. Sugar isn't addictive, because otherwise you carry on and you see the same response. So yeah, like you said at the start, you're not selling your body on the corner of the street for a bag of potato lime. So you're probably not addicted to sugar. Good job, really, because let's face it, no one's going to buy this. No, literally, I'd run out of sugar very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's a whole other podcast entirely. I know, I know the sticker for this podcast is me under a red light, but it's not that sort of podcast. You should change it to like red light night or something. Red light night. That'd just be <laughs> about your prostitution. Yes, that could be a feature. We could have like really sort of like seventies weird porn music playing in the background. While I go, hey, I'm Charlie Knight. That might work well. We'll look into red light night. Red light night. Well, yeah, we can change the um, color thing on your. I'm a, I'm a light. Hold on. This is going to be shit if people listening to this on the podcast. But on Spotify, on Spotify, that's the podcast. On YouTube, you'll see my lights changing. So now I look like I've got a tap. I went full yeah. influencer wanker for this one. So I've now got a ring light and a microphone. So I should sound better. And I look beautiful because I've changed the lighting in my room yeah, now. He does. There's a podcast thing. listeners, he does. Podcast listeners, go to YouTube. Get me some more views. That'd be grand. Um, oh, shameless plug. That's the thing. Um, so yeah, so sugar addiction, not a thing. Not a thing. Sugar tastes nice, so you want it. Um, but if you don't have it, you're not going to go and rob your mum. So you'll probably be all right. Um, also, I don't know the last time I saw I sure. Every now and again, I turn Dutch on this podcast. I don't know what happens. Every like, I don't know the last time I saw the sugar dealer on the corner of the street. No. Selling little grand bags of sugar. Um, post office sells them. You know, little Londis at the corner of me. He's got post office. Yeah. They sell sugar. But, yeah. you know, they sell it in bags. I think that's legal. They don't sell cocaine. So... Again, not drunk. No, no, they don't. Well, not off the shelf anyway. I don't know. They, they might no. be able to get you on the counter. I don't know. But sugar addiction, not a thing to wrap that up. Awesome. Well, that's our four questions. I enjoyed that. It was a good one today. So obviously covered off sort of fat loss while stressed. Probably not a fantastic idea. But if you're able to do it, then more power to you. Um, what's your training look like when gym's open? Probably the same as it did before they shut, but a little bit lighter. Um, nutrition for power production. Three C's, carbs, creatine, caffeine. Yep. I had to really think about those then. We spoke about that a whole five minutes ago. So, it's easy, <laughs> yeah. And then sugar addiction, not a thing. So, I feel like quite a well rounded podcast. Um, mm. I reckon we get another one in obviously next week. We're going to keep these going anyway. It's not like a little flash in the pan. But next week might be interesting. We'll throw some questions out there for obviously when people are then back into gyms. Um, mm. I feel like that's going to be a really interesting um, kind of conversation around what that's going to look like. Um, obviously, we've covered off training and what that should look like. But I'll be interested to hear people. Uh, how they're getting on when they go back to the gym, what their plan is and such like that. And we can just kind of talk around things and keep it really informal like we have been. Yeah. Um, I feel like we can get some really good questions here from next week. Next week mm-hmm. um, here's a bit where we plug ourselves. So if you're not interested in using our services, you just want to listen to us talk rubbish on a podcast, probably tune off now. Yeah. Um, if you want nutrition advice, don't come to me. I'm terrible at it. Go to Charlie. He's at CBNutrition underscore on Instagram. Um, you'll find all of his bits and pieces on there. Um, Really knows his stuff and in the right lighting is a beautiful human being. So if you get a video yeah. call with him, that's that's you. <laughs> no, you are right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then me, like I said, don't come to me for nutrition. If you want training help and that kind of thing, programming and sort of advice around to me. Yeah. Um, probably come to me because that's my thing. Um, so I'm at Night Strength or at Redbeard Barbell Club on Instagram, whichever you want to go to. Um, and yeah, more than happy to help. So if you're looking to get back into the gym, you need a little bit of help with training or nutrition. With a little bit of luck, me and Charlie should be able to help. 
Where's that? I reckon so. Awesome, man. I mean, we're quite good at what we do, I think. I'm backing us, mate. You know what? Say again? I'm backing us. If someone came and thought, I need help with both these things, I think we probably could maybe do it at half decent level. We'd be all right, I reckon. Yeah. I reckon we'd be all right. And that's all that matters. I think all right is better than shit, so... All right's more than enough. You know what I mean? Like, reaching for better and just be content with all right. All right, it's fine. If anybody fancies paying us compliments that we're definitely not fishing for into the comments section on YouTube, that'd be great. I mean, you don't yeah. have to. You don't have to. But if you feel like rubbing, rubbing our backs and blowing some smoke up our ass, then you're more than welcome. If you get something from these podcasts. But, you know, we should be all right at helping with these things. So training and nutrition, I reckon we'll be all right. And searching for more than all right is a waste of time. We'll die in the end. Be I'm content gonna, with average. We are definitely better at helping you with training and nutrition than my accountant. They'd be terrible at training nutrition advice. Yeah. No, I'm mine, actually, yeah. So there's a thing. There's, there's a scale. We can work from that. Does that yeah. make us above average, then, if they're the average person? Oh, definitely by average. We're like elite. Oh, wow. Smashed it. We've gone from all right to Olympic standard now. Smashed it. Her text mum. Nutrition. Amazing. I mean, in fairness, I'm probably not better than my accountant at nutrition. Definitely training, but nutrition, I am very much still learning. So there's a thing. Um, anyway, that's enough waffle. We've gone through our half an hour, which is grand. As per usual, thank you very much for being on. Um, thank you for having me. I look forward to, obviously, more questions and catching up again. Same. Awesome, man. Cool. Speak to you soon. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye.